I'm Stephanie Howe, co-host of Get Inspired and Innovate, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Coming up on episode 96 of Podcast PD, Stacy and AJ and I talk about social-emotional learning and connecting with students and building relationships. And we do it with our old friend, Danny Kennis. Let's start the show. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you're going to have more fun with AJ Bianco, Stacey Lindis, and me, Chris Nessie. Let's start the show. What's up, Podcast PD people? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's me, your old pal, Mr. Nessie, along with three of my old pals. I'm joined by Stacy Lindis. What's up, Stacy? Hey, Chris. Not much here. Um, doing all right. It's Sunday. It's a Sunday before before uh, spring break starts, so that's good. One more week, right? Six Very days. cool. Yeah. yeah, and we're also joined by the incomparable Andrew Johnson Bianco. Thank you for that one. I, you're close. You're getting there. You're gonna run out. You need to like get it lined up before. There. You might get there. We're gonna like <laughs> shock the world. There. Shock the world. Hi, and and if, I'm glad you're. Yeah, hi. What's up? I'm doing good. But you know, we we got we got things to do. So let's introduce one of our fantastic friends, educators. Somebody who I remember meeting a long time ago and thought, wow, she's pretty cool. And who's that big guy with her? What's up, Danny Kennis? <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to go with Danny or my first name, try to make up a middle name or whatever, <laughs> but I'm glad you just went with Danny. So glad to be here with you guys. I love this reunion. I love it, too. This might be, this might be bigger than the Friends reunion on HBO Max. Oh, absolutely. That's actually happening. No, it's not yeah, at some point though. No, it's not. Never mind. Sorry. All right, our reunion's actually happening. That's my point. Mm-hmm. We're here. Here we are. This is a big deal. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I'll just throw out there, you know, before we get into the the SCL, well, which this might help me. As we're recording this, I return to school tomorrow for the first time in over a year. It's a big deal. Yeah. Yes, it is. I have to wear pants. You're really having a hard time with this. Like, it's not about going back to school for you. It's like you're having a hard time that you have to wear pants. Here's what I have a hard time with. Can't you wear like comfortable pants? I am. I'm wearing jeans. Yeah. Those are not comfortable pants. No, jeans are comfortable for me. Jeans are very comfortable. They work for me. Does anybody like, are they going to come check on you? These administrators. I will follow up with you should anybody follow up with me. And I've been (laughs) going through in my mind what words may or may not come out of my mouth if somebody has anything to say about my pants. I do have some wisdom as someone who's been in school all year long. I have not once had a pants check. So that should give you some confidence that you're going to be just fine. Well, you also teach in a different state. So that's true. It's also probably not a question as to whether or not you're wearing them. I thought Chris about friends not wearing pants. Yeah, we, yeah, that's right. You do. Um, and it's also tough because I got to be home with my kids this entire time so not only am i going to school for the first time in over a year they're both going to school for the first time in over a year because we had decided as long as we can keep them home we'll keep them home 
And now they're going back because there is the full five-day option. So my boys will be uh, rocking third grade and kindergarten. First day of school <gasps> tomorrow. Wow, that's wow. a big day. Kindergarten for the first time. So wait, Chris, real quick. You can just change your status on a dime like that? Uh, for my kids? Yeah. Uh, it was with notice because they the district itself recently went from two days a week to the full five days. Mm-hmm. So we went through the proper channels to say, yes, we're going to send them back. And here's the date we can send them back. I didn't now know because I know some districts it's by marking period or by trimester. And my district, um, up until this most recent survey, it has been on a dime. Like if you're like, oh, okay, you know what? It's February and I, my kid, like we're after the break and I feel like everyone's being safe and numbers are down. And I send my kids back. They have the prerogative to do that. They won't have that option anymore because they did a survey asking how parents plan to spend the rest of the year with their, like how their kids plan on attending. And um, only because they're looking for options to get people in full time like your kids are. So, yeah. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. They're both sort of excited. Uh, My little guy, he is like, I don't want to go to school. So we're like, too bad. He doesn't want to go to kindergarten. Uh, He'd be better off going to like fourth grade. He's just. Over, like he's over kindergarten <laughs> and he didn't re- i mean he's learned a lot i mean it's been amazing literally because where i'm sitting he spent time at the other desk in this room so we were he was like my office mate right so when i was not having to watch my kids religiously in the google meet i could listen and see what he was doing so i could see him engage and write and interact with his kindergarten teacher and we could all understand what it's like to watch romper room and that's basically what he did it's like watching mm-hmm. disney jr because his teacher was really good. And I've been saying that the whole time because she's yeah. kept him engaged. And in September, he couldn't really read or write. And now he can read and he can write and he's really good at math. And, you know, that's awesome. It, it was just harder for him to like do like stuff on Google Classroom and like sit down when he wasn't in a Google Meet to be like, I don't want to do work. I want to go play like kindergarten stuff. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I'm going to sort of miss that. Like here in the office when I'm not, teaching i can lay on the bed here that's in the office or i can go outside and i can play basketball or or the bathroom when i want to go you know all these (laughs) things i'm accustomed to doing at home the luxury of it all the luxury and again going to the bathroom is truly a privilege that teachers do not get to uh i mean it's your high school level to just say kids i'll be right back don't burn the room down i literally say that to them every day do not set anything on fire don't throw a party i'll be right back so Anyway, that's enough about me. Danny, what's new with you? What's going on? Um, oh, wait, do we want to introduce Danny or is she going to introduce herself? How's this going? Because while we know Danny guests. very well, introduce her, everyone Stacey, else go. might not know Danny very well. All right. So, Danny, I'm going to read your Twitter bio, which other people can do on their own, and then you can fill in anything that I'm missing. So, oh, I hope that's up to date. Go for it. We'll see. All right. So, it says Danny Kennis is a social studies special ed teacher in Clarkstown, New, New York. She's passionate about PD, building relationships, and SEL. Every student, every day. Welcome to the show. All right. Sounds good. Welcome to the show, Danny. We're so happy you're here. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here with with you guys and very excited to be talking about SEL because in this crazy year, that feels like the one thing that has gone right. Oh, that's good. So before we get started... um, just so we're all on the same page, because Chris said, you know, this SEL thing, this might be helpful for me. Let's just make sure that 
we're all on the same page with how you're defining um, SEL so that we have some common language. So what it means in your classroom, even, because I know some people kind of tweak it a little bit differently. Yeah. So um, social emotional learning, and it is really this big umbrella term that could have anything to do with mental health, Um, self-care, empathy, building relationships, emotional intelligence, regulating emotions, but it's all under this big umbrella of social emotional learning. You and I started having conversations about it because you joined us in Clubhouse Mm -hmm. or on Clubhouse for EdCamp Clubhouse, which Chris, AJ, and I are helping to moderate. And you were super jazzed about talking about social emotional learning and how it has really been a game changer for you this year as far as classroom management and building your relationships. So Talk to us about that. How has it helped you build relationships? Like what, what came first? Like what's the chicken, the chicken and the egg? Is it building relationships? Is better classroom management? Or is it the other way around? So building relationships came first. Going into the school year, I knew that things were going to be challenging and inconsistent. And I had no idea where to start in teaching um, my content because I knew I was going to have to cut a lot out. So I was like, you know what, for the first week or two, I'm not going to do any content. I'm just going to focus on getting to know my kids. And that's exactly what I did. So definitely the relationship piece came first. Um, and then, so I have, we've been hybrid all year. I have four kids in person and then 10 online in one class. And then in another class, I think I have three in person and another seven online. So most of my kids are online. So I was kind of treating the class as though all of my kids were online. Um, And in doing that, I was like, okay, well, what can I do to kind of try to get everybody engaged? And I just started doing this thing that I was calling Catch Up Friday, which is just a super cheesy name for Catch Up Friday. Um, And the whole point of that was I wanted to build in a pause in the week where we would have a chance to breathe and not learn anything new and really just catch up. Um, Last year, my district implemented a Flex Friday, and they got rid of it this year. And everyone freaked out and were like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to teach an extra day. And I was like, I'm going to keep that Flex Friday in there unofficially, because we just need a chance to breathe and get to know each other and just kind of reflect. And it's become mostly about reflection. Um, And so that's what has driven the relationship building is the questions that I put out to my kids on Fridays and then the answers that they get and the conversations that kind of stem from that. So I like that you recognize that this year is different, right? And I think all of us knew at the end of last year that no matter what happened, however we came back, it was all going to be very different. And I'm like you, I'm struggling um, with, you know, the in-person live teaching and teaching in Zoom. And I have fifth graders who aren't always you know, I mean, I, I think that there are advantages to having younger kids in that situation and advantages to having older kids in that situation, right? Like my kids are still pretty um, pretty agreeable in, in bending to a teacher's will, right? So their cameras go on when we ask them to. We don't push it because I, I don't believe in pushing it. I don't like being on camera. Chris will tell you. AJ will tell you. I It's not for me. Yep. Um, I do it because I have to. And and but I respect that kids don't always want to be on camera and that they don't want, you know, they don't want intruders in their homes and they don't want an invasion of their privacy. So for you, I imagine it's a hundred times worse. 
But I think the plus side for you is for the most part, your kids are probably more tech savvy than my fifth graders are. And they probably know the ins and outs and like the, the handholding is probably a little bit less. I don't want to assume because I can't, I, I never assume that everyone who is of a certain age is just a tech expert, but. No, you're right. Um, they definitely have the technology skills. That's <laughs> funny enough. That's not even something that I considered at the beginning of the year because I kind of knew they'd be coming to me with those skills. But the biggest thing that I thought about was exactly what you said, which was the hesitation with the cameras being on. And there were so many kids who were really hesitant about it. At the beginning of the year, I wasn't too strict about it. And I kind of said, as long as you're on with me and participating in the chat, then we're good. Like, I don't need to see your face to know that you're here and that you're engaged because it's really hard to stay engaged for 45 minutes for eight periods a day. Um, And so that's one of the biggest changes, the biggest positive changes that I've found from all of this is that I think I'm one of the only teachers in my school who really never has to look at a fan or a forehead or a ceiling. And my kids are pretty good about showing their faces. And I honestly think that it's so much because of the relationships that I've built with them. And they kind of know that it's a sign of respect when they're showing their faces to me rather than pointing their screen at the forehead, their, uh, their ceiling. I would yeah. kill to look at their ceilings. <laughs> uh, no, I hate looking at their, I hate looking at their foreheads. I do not want to see like the top of your head. And, yes. and I get it for some people, eye contact is really hard and right. So cameras down and I'm in a special eye classroom this year. So, you know, I honor everyone's comfort when it comes to that, but you talked also about Fridays, Danny, can you tell us a little bit more about, so you said that they were getting rid of Flex Friday, but you managed to keep it. Talk to us more about what you do with your reflection for the week and and how that has helped you build your relationships. So Friday is our favorite day of the week. And not we, just because it's Friday? Not just because it's Friday. They know that every Friday, um, this is the consistency piece that I think they really appreciate. They know that every Friday, no matter whether we're in school or at home, because we've been back and forth a lot, um, we will do an SEL check-in. And I usually use either Pear Deck or Google Slides. I'll sometimes do it on a form or a doc, but I'll ask them things like, how did your week go? Tell me three things that went well, two things that you struggled with, and one thing that you want to do differently for next week. Um, And then I kind of started, as I got more feedback from them, I started putting themes into the SEL check-ins. And so our theme for last week, for example, was positive self-talk. And I show them a lot of images that I find like just on Pinterest or just through Google and say, what does the noise in your head sound like? And I'll give them examples of negative self-talk and positive self-talk. And then I'll have them in Pear Deck, for example, use a draggable and drag it to one or the other Um, and then give them examples of what positive self-talk sounds like. And then I'll ask them, what are three traits or skills that you have within yourself that you're confident about? And it's really a lot of me trying to instill confidence in them and let them know that I believe in them and they can overcome whatever they're dealing with. And the biggest thing that's come out of it is realizing how important and how necessary it is for us to immediately give support to our kids in terms of mental health, because I have so many kids who are really, really struggling with really serious issues. Like I like self-harm issues um, and depression, anxiety. And I don't think that that would be the case if a lot of them were in school, but because of 
you know, everything going on and everyone's different comfort level. And I think it also is elevated by the fact that I have special ed kids and so many of them as freshmen and special ed freshmen are so resistant to come into school. Um, There's just a lot working against them and they just need so much support. And that's the biggest thing that I've realized. And so many of them tell me, like, thank you for seeing me. Thank you for seeing me outside of who I am as a student, just for seeing me as a person. And I I'm, I always try to be really humble about all of this because it feels very weird to have a lot of my colleagues come up to me and say like, oh my gosh, you're doing amazing things. And I'm like, I guess, like, I don't know, I guess I'm doing amazing things. My kids are great and like, it's working and I'm connecting with them. But I really, I know that like, in my gut, I'm doing a lot more than what other teachers are doing to connect with the kids because of what we do on Fridays. So the SDL check-ins that we do, no matter what the theme is or what the question is, it just seems to really help me connect with the kids. And it could be silly questions that really have no bearing at all. And they usually are on social studies. And I think they appreciate that because they need to be able to express themselves outside of just their main content areas, I guess, because they just have so much going on. So yeah, anyways, Fridays are magical and it's a day that everyone looks forward to. Danny, I have two questions. One, are you able to do these things in each of the classes you teach? Love that question. Or do you... No. <laughs> do you want me to answer now or wait for your second question? Um, let, let's go now because I, I'm going to say that I also try to do SEL, but I'm limited. Uh, I teach three classes a day because we still are doing like blocks get, or not the block, but we have longer periods. Um, but my first block, we have an advisory period. So they built in a 20 minute. So I, the classes are 60 minutes and then only my first block class. Do I have this extra 20 minutes with them where they said, do SEL with them. So in my other two classes, I don't, I, I literally, I do not have the time that same 20 minutes. If I, if I take 10 or 15 minutes of SEL in the other two classes, well, now my 60 minute period is now a 45 minute or 40 minute period where I still need to get them to do 60 minutes worth of work. So what is it? What's it, what's it like for you? And then I'll get to my second question. Okay. Um, so first of all, I'm so jealous that you have an advisory. I'm dying for advisory at my school. Um, it just seems like such a great opportunity to connect with the kids on a really authentic and meaningful level. So it's awesome that you have that. Wait, I can I not. time you guys out? Um, because as an elementary teacher, I only know what advisory is from my middle school and high school experience. So other people might be lost in what you're even talking about there. So can you? So like, the, uh, the simplest term, I'll, thank you. It, it's homeroom. It's homeroom. So instead of doing it at the beginning of the day, you know, Pledge of Allegiance, all that stuff, you know, you have your first block class and then we have an additional 20 minutes with them before they change classes. So I think so. There, I think there are a couple of different ways you could look at advisory. I thought it was homeroom, but specifically for the purpose of building those relationships and getting to know your kids rather than just like a kind of flipped in time. Um, is that not how it is at your school when they say that you have advisory? Is it for the purpose of SEL stuff or just homeroom? That's it. Normally it's homeroom. Okay. Now under this situation, they were like, we didn't start the year with this because our schedule was different. So they added this in like halfway through the year where they said, all right, we're going to, in preparation for going back, we're going to give you the 20 minute advisory time attached to the first block. So it wasn't there. And when we're normal, we do have it. Okay. Um, And it's more homeroom 
but now they want us to focus on the SEL stuff. So, but the SEL stuff I've been trying to build into the classes in general because I don't know, I, I care about the kids, right? <laughs> so yeah. to try to and build those relationships and yeah. So we, our classes, I teach mostly ninth grade. Um, I have two ninth grade classes that are self-contained. So they're small. The maximum amount of kids is 15. And then I teach two co-taught 11th grade classes and they have about 30 kids each. I do not do the SEL stuff in my 11th grade classes because first of all, my co-teacher, he's wonderful and I love him, but we have very different teaching styles. And I think the way that I approach my SEL check-ins is a little bit um, childish for my 11th graders. And I would cater it to them if we were to do it, but it's only my second year teaching juniors and I don't know them as well as I do the freshmen. So I, I would have a lot of trouble tailoring it to the 11th graders, but we have done um, not SEL check-ins, but attendance questions, which that's what we, I do with all of my classes across the board. And that's one way that I try to build those relationships in every single class, regardless of grade level or time or anything like that. My second question. You shared so far some really great things that you're doing. And obviously, you, you know, people can't see this, but we can see you're glowing about it. Like yeah. it, it excites you, like it, like it's working and you're proud of that. Did it work right away? If not, how long did it take for the kids to get comfortable with you doing this? Now, I asked that because you made a point of saying like you started like you said, like you took like a week, two weeks to like do this at the start of the class. I brought that up to people and I was told. No, there's no way you should be taking two weeks to get to know your students. Maybe take a day, two days, and then you better be getting into the content. Yes, it did work right away because I think I was one of the only teachers who just said, I'm going to do away with the content. And I I was really freaking out at the beginning of the year. I was like not in a good place and I was super anxious. And I was like, if I'm feeling like this, I can only imagine how my kids are feeling. So the only way that felt natural and right for me to go about it was to just get to know them first. Um, and so that's kind of how we started. We did a lot of wacky, weird attendance questions and talked for 45 minutes one day about whether cereal is soup and whether a sandwich is a hot dog. And it was, I was those... just going to say, did you ask your kids if a hot dog is a sandwich? Yeah, of course I did. That is our most hot, like most contested subject to this day. Every day someone says, it is a hot dog. It is a sandwich. No, it's not a sandwich. And we can get off on like a million tangents. It's hilarious. But yeah, I think that immediately they sensed that I was different from their other teachers because their other teachers seemed to be so worried about having lost that time last year when we were all online and like in crisis mode. And I was like, I really don't care about that. I just, we're just trying to survive right now. And if your other teachers don't see that, like, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but I will say it is easy for me to do that because AJ, you'll know, I don't have a state exam in ninth grade. And so I can be a little bit more relaxed with what I teach. Um, that's another part of the reason why I didn't do the SEL check-ins with my 11th graders because they do have a regents exam and it felt like there was a lot more pressure to get through the content. And that's the biggest struggle that I hear from a lot of people is how do I have time to do this? How am I supposed to fit this in? Um, and I don't know. For me, I just kind of cut out what feels a little bit less important. <laughs> and I know that some teachers might be freaking out hearing that, but you can cut things out. And when you prioritize the mental health of your students, 
you'll figure out a way to cut the other stuff out. And I know it's really difficult and challenging. That's a big part of the reason why I don't do it with my 11th graders, because my co-teacher is like, well, everything's important. We have to teach it all. And we haven't had the time to sit down and say like, well, we can teach this, but maybe let's scale back on this so that we have time to build the SEL in. Um, But to get back to your question, yes, it it worked right away. Um, I don't know that that would be the case if they were all there in person. But I think everyone was so eager to build connection at the point that we were at at the beginning of the year that that's part of the reason why it worked so well. Danny, what, what do what do other teachers feel about this? Because so many other teachers are content heavy. They understand, like for the for example, this year I know we've been doing some compacting when it comes to the curriculum, right? But a lot of teachers are content heavy kids, especially high school kids. Their job is prepare them for state exams and prepare them for their next step, which is life and college. So when you think about teachers in general, you don't have to go throw, throw anybody under the bus, but you know, what, what is the reaction from, from your colleagues? Have they looked down on this or have any of them actually been interested in trying to use this approach? I guess I should back up to last year a little bit because that's when all of this SEL work began. Um, was For right you for, or for your district? I'm just curious. For, yeah, that's a good question. For my, my district, um, it really started to take off at the beginning of 2019. And I was on our, my school's SEL committee um, and I had presented a couple times in terms of like PD days and the momentum to get people invested was really slow and people were really, really hesitant. And then everything kind of just stopped when the pandemic happened. And I wasn't doing any of this SEL stuff last year. Um, but the people who were interested were the people who were, are always interested, the people who love their jobs and like really want to do well. Um for the kids and who are there for the kids. And then the people who were negative about it are the people who just see it as a job and, you know, walk in and out and don't think about anything else. Um, so slowly momentum has built. And I think people are re- like kind of recognizing the value in SEL work, but they're all doing it in their different ways. And I think that's part of the beauty of this. Um, some teachers... So SEL is a lot of things. It can be the check-ins that I do, but it can also be just talking to your kids about how your weekend was and being vulnerable. And I think that's the biggest kind of hesitation for some teachers is they feel so uncomfortable with being vulnerable. And that's a really big reason why a lot of my colleagues don't want to jump in headfirst to this SEL stuff. Um, I think that the them dipping their toes in the water of SEL is them slowing down a little bit and pulling back and just being okay with that. Like that's the first step. Um, But I've had some people come up to me and ask like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, how can I do this even just for five minutes? And so the, the most basic strategy that I can give is this was easier when we had kids in the classroom, but turn the lights off and play music as the kids are coming into your class and it can still work you know, online, but playing music is such a simple way to show your personality. And that's what the kids are looking for. They want to know that you're more than just like a teacher in a potentially intimidating suit. Not if you're Chris or I, cause we're not doing that. Um, but they want to know, <laughs> they want to know that you're a human being. And that's really hard because some teachers don't want to show that side of themselves. So the vulnerability piece is really, really challenging. Um, 
And that's the biggest reason why other teachers are hesitant to jump on board. That makes it tricky. I remember um, when my school district, and, and this was years ago, and Chris worked with my superintendent, but I remember when we got two new assistant superintendents and all of a sudden the focus seemed to be on whole child, every child. And I kept like, I kept looking around, like I was teaching elementary, so I didn't get it. Like I didn't understand where that came from. I was like, what is that? I was like, I've got the whole child every day. I know my kids in and out. And then I think about it. And like, I was like, it was before I was a coach. I was still living in my little elementary bubble where like, yeah, you get 21, 24 kids you know them in and out because they're your entire day, right? And so it's like, like, you know, this one comes in and tells you about like what they did over the weekend or like, you know, another kid comes in later the week and he's excited because his mom's having a baby or his, you know, he has a new cousin or whatever. And you know them so well. And I, I had to like stop and like look around and realize that like, oh, at the high school, you have 125 kids or 100 kids. And you don't know them. And so many teachers are so very content heavy that it's like they teach social studies. They don't teach students social studies. Right. Yeah. And so it's a big for me, it was like an aha moment. Oh, I get it. I get why we're focusing on this as a district, because at the elementary level, we get it. But we've always gotten it right, because, you know, your kids as math students and science students and social studies students, and you know who's going to really get excited for that next lesson or that next unit of study. But when you're teaching social studies and that's your primary focus, it's harder, especially when it's like, oh, by the end of the year, I have to be on like Westward Expansion or whatever. And how do I get there? That's so interesting to hear from your perspective, because you're right. I think it's so much easier for an elementary teacher to do the quote unquote whole child teaching. But those anecdotes that you hear about your students every single day, I feel like that's what is so hard to get out of kids when you're only with them for 45 minutes. Yep. And those are the things that I've been trying to pull out of my kids. I didn't really realize that until right now. But um, you reminded me, I know my, one of my students has this cat, Leo, and I know more about my kids' pets than I know about it, like some kids I've had in past classes in past years. And I just think that's so funny. But it's one of the unique parts of this year. But yeah, it's the, it's the anecdotes. That's really what I'm after. Yeah. And I, and I think that your Fridays and I know, um, I know some teachers at the middle school and high school levels who do that on a Monday, right? So like the first, first 10 minutes of every class on Monday is just a check-in on the weekend. Tell me something good. Tell me something new. What's going on with you? And then, okay, we can start the week. Right. And so, Chris, it's not like, oh, you have a day to get to know your kids and then it's content on day two. Now, so, I, let me just say this. I didn't do that. Like I took the days I needed to take. No, no, no. But that is like for so many people, that is the expectation. Like even even in my district, I heard, oh, the first three days. I'm like, first three days. Like I've got a book that says the first six weeks. Like, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Like first three Harry days. Wong. Yes. What would Harry say? <laughs> I was just thinking of that. I love this, Danny. I just love that you're doing this for your kids and with your kids. And it, and I say it for your kids, but it really is in service of children and their mental health and what's right for them. So we talked about how you build your relationships and you alluded to how your kids, you know, you have one of the classes or one of the only um, Zoom classrooms where cameras are on and they're on willingly. But how has um, building relationships using social emotional learning and getting to know your kids, how has that helped in other areas of classroom management in your in your room? I only have a couple of kids in person. 
but I don't have classroom management problems anymore or struggles anymore. And I think it's because of the rapport between me and the kids and the kids and each other, which is really, really hard right now to get them to develop any kind of relationship with each other. But when the kids trust me and when I trust them, there's just kind of this, it, it, it feels, I know this sounds cheesy, but it kind of feels like a family. Like you don't want to let them down. So you don't want to do or say anything that might be seen as being negative, I guess. And I think that's kind of how they act in class. And they, they're harder on themselves than I am on them. Like I gave them their first test last week and they were some of them who did really badly. I was like, I don't care what you get on this test. I just want you to go through the process of taking a test. And some of them were so disappointed and they were like, I'm so sorry. I'm going to do better next time. And I was like, don't be sorry. Like, it's okay. You, I don't care what you get on this test. It's just for you to go through the steps of taking an actual test. Um, but yeah, it's the, it's, it's definitely the family factor and the fact that there's mutual respect that is really just so genuine. And I thought I had it before in, you know, pre pandemic teaching world, but now I'm realizing that everything feels so completely different. And I'm just really hoping I can sustain this even when I do have a full class of human students. Yeah, I think, I think that's the other piece too. And it's also um, one of my struggles early in, early on in this year in particular was how do I make both sections of my class feel like one unit, right? Like how do I, you know, take care of my in-person students and also acknowledge that I have kids that are sitting in their living rooms and their family rooms or at the kitchen table or, you know, with the rest of their family learning with me. It It's that has been my biggest struggle. And, you know, I know you probably don't have this, but we have morning meeting every day. And one of the things that that I spent a better part of, I think, two months figuring out was like, how was I going to do morning meeting with like 28 kids? Now we're up to 32. My class keeps growing. And I'm working with, I don't have that many students all day long. I have 24, but we have, um, by the time everyone's in Zoom and we work with, um, we work with another special ed class that comes in for gen ed um, morning meeting that's in their IEP. So they work with us and it's just, it's lovely, but it was a lot to manage in the beginning. So we were separating and it was like, okay, well, we'll have rumors and Zoomers and our rumors will have like their own morning meeting and our Zoomers will do their own thing. And then I was like, but then they never get to know the people that they're not with. Yeah. Right. And I was like, I can't have that. That is not a classroom. So then we split. And so it was like, whoever ended up in the random Zoom, they that would be how it would go. And my co-teacher would lead one part and I would lead the other. And that worked out. And I was like, I still don't like this. It doesn't feel right. It's not mm-hmm. everyone. And that's like a big part of it is like, you know, building... You can't just build a relationship with the people that you see every day or the people that you happen to be in a breakout room with. That's just silly. Yeah. So um, like that for me was really important. So now we do, we have morning meeting every day with 32 kids and, and adults. And it's, it's sometimes it's long and sometimes it's like, guys, you can't get it together. And this is the consequence. Sorry, Charlie, but it's, it's been really interesting. And I, I have one final anecdote that kind of is related to this, but I have a student who, um, like I was mentioning how tall another student is. And in my classroom, it's not very hard to be taller than I am. Um, but I was mentioning how this child came back from winter break and he was taller than me. And the one girl goes, so-and-so from Zoom? And I was like, oh my God, like I have not accomplished anything if that's all she knows this child as, right? Like Chris from Zoom? I'm like, no, honey, Chris from our class. And 
yeah, and she goes, but he looks so little. I was like, you're looking at a box. Mm-hmm. How are you judging how big Chris is? That's not his name. I'm just trying to like give. A, but like, I was just like, it was. It's like it's a it's a comment that will haunt and live with me and make me laugh forever. But like, I can't wait until they are all together. And like, I think you're doing a great job building a classroom that feels like it's all together, right? You're talking about relationships. They're building trust with one another. And um, yeah, I think teachers everywhere really need to hear your message and kind of get that going in their own classrooms. And it's one of the reasons I was so excited you wanted to talk to us tonight. I want to go back to something Danny said earlier where she talked about how she feels like she's gotten to learn more about her kids this year or their pets or just things that she doesn't normally get to learn about. So I'm curious. I want to take it a step further, Danny. What do you think your students have learned about you that students normally don't get to learn about Miss Kennis in a regular school year, do you think? Uh, Well, they've met my family. They've (laughs) met, I'm not kidding. They've met Kennis. They've met Kaya. They've met Asher. Um, they, I've been really honest with my kids this year because I felt like that was the only way that I was going to get anything back from them. So it was really the first time that I opened up it about having anxiety and that felt really, really scary. And it still feels really scary. Like I'm freaking out a little bit now, but it's something that I'm realizing the more I talk about it and the more I share about it, it feels more okay. And I'm just trying to kind of normalize it. Um, and it's made my kids open up to me about their struggles too. And we're really not all that different. That's the biggest thing that I've kind of discovered. Um, I tell them stories about my life all the time. So they know that I love Taylor Swift. They always make fun of me for it. They know that I love to work out. Um, I feel like more than ever before I've had to perform and put on a show but it's really just me kind of trying to put little tidbits out there to them for them to pick up on and say like, oh, I have that in common with her or, oh, she's really the weirdest person I've ever met in my life. Just to get them to react to something. Um, so, yeah, that's I think I answered your question. I hope. Yes, you did. And uh, I, I'm in that same boat where it feels like a performance. I mean, I get on. I've been coming on like this, basically. And the first day of class, kids are like, yo, mister, you're a YouTuber? <laughs> I'm like, well, sort of. I mean, I can do things like this. Thank you for choosing Central Jersey's music station. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, so I, I run all of this stuff in here. Like I, like, I'm, like I said, I'm going back to school tomorrow. So, like, I had to think about my in-classroom setup where the technology gets a severe downgrade. Mm-hmm. But... I've got another microphone. I got the boom arm. I'm going to have another laptop and it's going to look and sound very much the same. I I told the kids, the only difference is I'll be, I'll have a nicer shirt on (laughs) and and you'll see like me in a classroom as opposed to all the other crap I got hanging on the wall behind me here at home. But yeah, I mean, the other thing that, that resonates with me from what you shared, Danny, is I, I feel like. I'm doing the same things. I've got the same approach. My heart is in the right place, just like yours is. And my takeaway is Danny gets results. And I feel like, like I'm pulling teeth. Like it is such a struggle to know that I'm trying to connect. I've connected with some and I I had a, uh, I crumpled it up. I'll uncrumple it earlier. 
Like, this is what I'm used to seeing. <laughs> and for those of you who are listening, it's like the Google Meet icon. I put uh-huh. my initial. I've seen some strange profile <laughs> photos. Uh, yeah. You know, it's amazing what you could find SpongeBob doing on the internet and decide to make it your profile photo. So much inappropriate anime. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> okay, two big things. This SEL stuff doesn't work for everyone. I have one kid in particular who writes me very mean and very negative comments every week. Um, some of them are sarcastic and some of them are not. So I'll give you two examples. Um, in one of the check-ins that I did two weeks ago, he wrote, I would rather be doing literally anything else, like sitting and staring at a wall rather than doing this SEL check-in. And I was like, all right, like it's not for everyone. I get it. Thank you for being honest with me. Um, And then other times I have kids who I always ask them, is there anything else you want to share with me? Is there anything else you want to talk about? They just say, nope, I'm all good. Nope, nope, nope. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe that was pointless. Um, So I don't know that it works for everybody. Um, I think it works for a lot of my kids. But I will say this has been the hardest year for me. And I am not happy at my job, like at all. I know that I'm making a difference and I know that I'm doing good things for my kids, but every day is a struggle. Like I hate getting up and getting out of bed and going into work and not being able to socialize and just like feeling like I'm just going through the motions. And even though I'm doing all this SDL stuff, I just still feel like there's this really big disconnect. Um, and I can't tell if they're learning anything and I don't know if it matters. I don't know if any of this matters. There's just a lot to feel unsure about. And Sometimes when we have a good day and like we're laughing, I'm like, oh, like that was nice. That felt good. But it just feels like Groundhog Day many days. And it's really hard. I can relate to that because Uh I I feel like, where's the SDL for me? Yes. gives a crap about me? (laughs) I'll put it out there. You know, do I feel well cared for as a professional where I am? Not in the ways maybe I could be. I mean, I have the colleagues that, you know, we we get on the Google chat. We talk during the day. You know, we're, we have our little group chat. We're kind of looking out for each other. We can't wait to sort of see each other starting tomorrow. But it, it's tough. And this is my perspective and based on my experience where the left hand is patting you on the back while the right hand is punching you in the gut. You know? Yeah. And I, I, I'm with you, Danny. I, I, I'm 100%. I'm there. It feels like we're just constantly being asked to do so much more with so much less. And we've said that to my principal on many, many occasions. Um, And when you said it before, Chris, that your school basically said to you, here, do SEL. Like, what does that mean? You need support. You need training. You need professional development. You need time to develop those ideas. They can't just say, here, do this without giving you the resources and the time to properly plan it out because it's constantly do this, do this, do this, but also make sure that you're checking that they're getting A's and that they're showing their faces on their camera and that they're going to pass this state exam and that you're checking on their mental health. It's just, it's a lot. There's a lot on everyone's plates right now. It's a lot of do this, do this, do this. Mm -hmm. And where's the support? Where's the training? Where's there's, there's no time for that because you're getting pulled in a hundred or more different directions, right? None of this is easy. That's you kind know. of why in when you were talking about um, making the time for SEL, I've kind of taken the approach of asking for forgiveness rather than permission. Love and 
at the beginning of the school year, I was like, well, I don't really care if I'm not supposed to be doing two weeks of this. I'm just kind of going to do it anyway. And if it isn't fine, then I guess I'll get in trouble for it. But it's working for me for now. And that's kind of how every day is. It's working for me for now. And it's working for the kids for now. And maybe tomorrow it will be something different and we'll have to pivot again. But, you know, what works today is just today. And we'll, you know, reflect back and see how we need to change things for tomorrow. And I'll throw one more thing out there because I feel this is a safe place to share my feelings is getting feedback and getting that do this, do this, do this, try this, try this, all all this feedback, which I'll put loosely from people who have never done this, right? Who have experienced teaching online or trying to get kids to interact and engage, right? And, And I don't know. Under normal circumstances, I'm good with feedback because, all right, at some point, you did it. But this, there's not a lot of people who can give us feedback on what this should look like. I would like, I would rather hear more about, here's what it could look like, you know, but I, I don't know. I don't, frustrated. There, I keep thinking about frustrated. that, too. I wish I could hear from someone who feels, if there is someone out there who feels like they're doing this really well, who feels like, yes, like this is a career I want. I want to be the hybrid teacher for the rest of my life because I'm killing it. But I don't know if that person exists. I was just going to say, I don't think that person exists. But I think, Chris, to your point, I think that one of the things that administrators can be doing for the rest of us is if they're seeing really good teaching, really good practice, really good models, that they are talking about it and showcasing and highlighting it. It's one of the things I miss most about being a coach, right? For me, it was never about being the person with all the knowledge, but acknowledging those people who were doing all the awesome things, right? Like, and, sh- and you know, being like, you should go check out what Danny is doing with her ninth graders in, in social studies. They respond to her so well. Ask her what she's doing or I'll ask what she's doing and then talk about what she's doing and talking it up. And I really think that that is the role of an administrator all the time because they do have the opportunity to like look in the window more than we do, right, of what's going on in all the classrooms. But I also just think that now when we feel more closed off than ever and we're not necessarily having the authentic um, hallway conversations and not necessarily doing all of the um, in-person stuff with the other adults in the building, because I don't know about you, Danny, but like half my school is home, right? Like half the teachers in my building are home. Yes. Oh my gosh. Right. Because there are about five or six sections of each grade level and only two sections of third grade that are in person. So I mean, and we have, we have about 18 sections of fifth grade, 18 sections of fourth grade and about nine, eight or nine sections of, of third grade in my building. And so that's crazy. mm -hmm, It's, it's, yeah. So I think there are, yeah, it's a small handful. And so when you're not seeing the rest of your grade level, it's hard to have those communicate like that, that conversation. And, you know, there are only some of us in the beginning who were doing the synchronous learning, right? So even just finding someone who's doing what you're doing is is hard right and i don't know i said that to my principal a lot um i'm on a lot of committees so i'm on the (laughs) pd committee also and i said i think we need to have a day where we just kind of showcase what's going well and what are people doing that that's really working so we did that um and it was cool we had a chance to kind of talk with other teachers and ask what are you doing like what was your best day so far but i think that that's why doing this um, 
podcast PD and, you know, listening to podcasts and clubhouse and just connecting on a level much bigger than your immediate school is so important because we can kind of steal ideas from each other that way. And I feel like that has been the biggest game changer this year is getting ideas from other people outside of my immediate building. Oh, yeah. And so Stephanie, who is listening right now, she's one of our producers, says all teachers are in my building, but everyone is in their own room and few stop in other rooms. And I think that that's it, too. Right. Like even if you're all together, you're not you're not eating together. You're not necessarily building those adult relationships that kind of help fuel, you know, all of the good that can be happening. Oh, God, I totally agree, Stephanie. I think that's my biggest struggle. My principal tell I probably shouldn't be saying this, but she tells us to limit our interactions so that they're under 10 minutes and not within six feet. And I'm like, well, what kind of relationships can you build with your colleagues that way? And what kind of a work environment is it? I got the same email today. Yeah, right. It makes it As we're getting ready to go back tomorrow, the email was like, here are the thing, you know, it's like, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And like one of the bullet points in the weekly email was basically stay apart. Don't congregate in the hallways. Don't be outside your classrooms. So Google chat all the way, I guess. Yeah. Um, All right. So I have two final questions for you. And then the last question um, that we ask everybody. AJ, do you want to ask those last two questions that are in the doc? No, go ahead. I I wasn't. Are you sure? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. okay. All right. So the first question is, if someone was looking for one thing to do tomorrow or when they hear this episode of the podcast, where would you suggest they start? Attendance questions. There's so many fun, wacky, silly, crazy, irrelevant questions out there on the internet. Ask your kids if cereal is soup and if a hot dog is a sandwich and if they were to become famous, what they'd become famous for. It's so easy to do and it takes like three minutes. Danny, you know, can Danny, I ask you one of my favorites? Yes. Who do you think would win in a fight? Shrek or Sully from Monsters, Inc.? Oh, Shrek. I just feel like it's obvious that he would win. I don't know why. I don't have a real reason. Just my oh, gut reaction is really? just Shrek. I'm Sully. Okay. Team Sully all the way. Team Sully. <laughs> I'm totally using that as an attendance question tomorrow. So thank you. Oh, Danny, no, I feel like this reminds me of um, what Adam used to do with his joke of the day. Yes. I feel yes. like you need to tweet that out. <laughs> yeah. Attendance question of the day. I can totally do that. That's a really good idea. Maybe that would make me feel better, like, at just life in general by connecting people through worldly yes. attendance questions. I think I'll do, do that. I'm going to write that down. Thank Here's you. Here's how I get I my know. questions. I just Google random questions to ask people, and then I discern what's appropriate for ninth grade students what i could ask them but i my do now question is never about history it's always these random questions i find or would you rathers they yes. love oh would, would you, you rathers are great or like the scale questions like this week i have um seven different marshmallows and i'm gonna ask like which marshmallow are you like slightly toasted or like are you a dark black marshmallow that's burnt on every single side so i'm excited about their answers for that one that's great. I like that one. Yes. All right. So my f- next question for you is, um, what will SEL look like when the world returns to normal for you? So I don't know as much about this topic as I wish I did, but I think I would love for it to look like restorative practices. Um, and I have to still learn about that. But I think that seems to be the next step for me personally, at least. I think I'll still do some form of a check-in, but I would like it to be more conversational. Um, I still want to 
figure out a way to do that while respecting people's privacy and boundaries. So maybe a quick check-in on the computer and then we all converse. But yeah, I think restorative practices is probably the next step in person. Yeah, that's definitely something I'm intrigued by too. And our last question, Danny, we asked this of all of our guests. And and before I say it, I want to say thank you for making time for us. And uh, we're definitely going to bring you back on because you're like our, our friend. I know. I love this. I love talking to you guys. And I miss this so much. You have to join us on Clubhouse more often. Yeah, I will. I know. I really appreciate you guys always pinging me because I'm like, oh, I got to get there right now. <laughs> so keep doing well, that. We're going we're gonna to talk about what Clubhouse is going to look like tomorrow when two of us are in the car. Okay. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Danny, we'd like to know from all of our guests. So professional development, personal development, whatever you call it, we don't really care. But what is your favorite type of PD to get or to give? Or maybe the style or topic. So we leave it open. Well, go ahead. Oh my God, I wish you asked me this a week ago so I had time to think about this. <laughs> hmm. My favorite kind of PD to get or give. Um, I think Instagram stories right now. It just feels really quick and accessible to me. I, I, I know a lot of, most of you guys are not on there. And I don't know, I've just, well, I mean, like actively, Chris, you're like, what? I feel like I'm like <laughs> annoyingly active on there. Um, and kind of like me and TikTok. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, maybe I should have said that because I really do love TikTok. I know because of you, I know a year ago, I was like, Chris, I'm never getting on TikTok. I'm never doing it. And now I have to I'm set still a not timer. doing it. <laughs> oh, you're missing out. Nope. There's some really good recipes and really good information <laughs> about like murder and things you never thought you wanted to know about. I know. I, I know. mean, I love Chris Nessie. <laughs> um so yeah i think instagram stories because it feels quick and digestible and it's timed so i am limited to how much i can say um but now clubhouse i'm really loving clubhouse all right i love that i love that you're um you're seeking out the new trends right like the the next new social media and where Um, teachers are gravitating towards right like i do know that like teacher tiktok is really big and Educator Instagram is is also something that's growing, but I don't know. I think I'll I'll stick with my Twitter and now Clubhouse, now, right? Right now, now Danny uh, on the screen, people can't see this, but you are at Kenneth Danny on Twitter, but you also are promoting stuck on Edu. So, give us the thirty to sixty second what stuck on Edu is, and let's definitely plan here right now to have you come back and let's do a whole conversation on what you're doing with leveraging social media and kind of how you're putting yourself out there. But give us the, the 60 second elevator pitch. Okay. This doesn't count as part of the elevator pitch. One day I'm going to need you to help me merge my Twitter name into stuck on EDU. Like I own the stuck on EDU name on Twitter, but I can't figure out how to like migrate my account. It's easy. It's called it's easy. stuck on Danny Kennis. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think anyone would enjoy that name. I can help you with that, Danny. I changed my Twitter to at Stacey Lindas from at Iron Tech. Okay, yes, then I, we will chat. Um, so I was trying to come up with a name for my Instagram account, my teachergram account. That's officially what it's called for you newbies out there. And <laughs> and I knew Teachers I loved love the gram. They love the gram. I knew I loved post-its and I wanted it to have something to do with post-its. So I asked 
my friends on Facebook and I was like, guys, I need a name. And whoever picks one for me wins a prize. There was no prize. But one of my friends was like, what about stuck on EDU? And I was like, oh my God, that's perfect because I love post-its and I love education. So that works. And that's it. It's not as exciting of a story as you might've thought. I love a good story like that though. Like I, and I love um, helping people pick out their Twitter handles or their like, like my favorite one is my friend Annie's Omen EDU. She's like, what should it be? I was like, you are like my meditation guru and you're like, you're a yogi. I was like, your Twitter handle is Omen EDU and she grabbed it and it's like, it's perfect. That's like my favorite thing in the world. So like with the attendance question where I said to my kids, you've just become famous. What are you famous for? My favorite thing is trying to pick out what they became famous for. And it's just like always really ridiculous things. Like you became famous for being a dancing dog trainer or like something completely ridiculous. But yes, I'm totally with you. Yeah, so perfect. All right, Danny, we know you're you're time sensitive today. So we're going to let you go while we finish up the rest of the show. But hopefully we will catch you on Clubhouse tomorrow morning. Oh yeah, what time? Seven o'clock. It's seven o'clock every Monday and every Friday. So it's only for 30 minutes and then... And then I'm usually parked. Hopefully. Class starts at 725. So I will be there for a little bit. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you guys so much. This was wonderful. I love and I miss all of you. We love and miss you too. Take care. Have a great Thanks night. You guys. Have a good us. night. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Danny. She is at Kenneth Danny on Twitter. And she was gracious enough with her time today. And as we wrap up this episode, uh, AJ, we have our executive producers. And we have our executive producer opportunity. So, AJ, do you get value from these conversations? I get value from these conversations. <laughs> Stacy, do you get value from these conversations? Absolutely. Absolutely. You could show your support for Podcast PD by becoming an executive producer. You could do this on a monthly or a yearly basis. If you'd like to support what we do here, go to podcastpd.com slash executive producer for all of the information and the details, we want to thank our current executive producers. They are Adam Kelly, Mike Brilla, Stephanie Scrocky, and Sandy Hartman. Thank you to our EPs, because without you, this show wouldn't be as good as it is. And we appreciate all of you for the support you give us. All right. Stacey, are we listening to something? Because I see, is your name here? We, it's not there, something? but I am listening to something. So I am currently listening to... I'm literally in the middle of the second part of it. Um, So I listened to a podcast called The Daily. It's from the New York Times. So it's not like they need the help in listenership. But um, they are doing this two-part series. Um, Actually, they have several. But it's it's one of my daily listen-tos. But I knew that there was a part one and a part two. So I like to listen to things together because I prefer to binge. Um. So on the daily from the New York Times, there is an episode called Odessa Part One. And I'm currently listening to Odessa Part Two. And I'm looking for um when what the release date was for Odessa Part One, because I, I found that one a little more interesting than Odessa Part Two. But Odessa Part Two was released on March twelfth, and I feel like Odessa Part One was released at the end of February. And basically what um, this particular podcast episode is talking about, and the daily is kind of all over the board with um, newsy stuff and more feature article stuff, like think New York Times, right? But this one is about, um, it, it. Odessa Part One chronicles and follows 
a teacher in Odessa, Texas, and her struggles um, in in exactly what we talked about at the end of our conversation with Danny. You know, what does it look like when you're a teacher in a hybrid setting and you have some of your students in person and a majority of your children are at home or in this teacher's case, learning while on the job. So some of her students opted to be fully remote and in in that in that circumstance they're able to um they're able to work and so you know they're attending say a history class while making smoothies at their job and you know what does that look like and odessa part two is turning into um you know friday night lights which is i didn't realize that um friday night lights is based in the city of odessa in um in Texas, but it's, it's talking about, and I'm just a few minutes into that episode, but it's talking about the school's um, efforts to hold on to their, to their football program during, during the beginning of 20, of the 2020 school year, right? 2020, 2021. So um, it's really fascinating. It talks about so much of what teachers have been feeling AJ, I thought of you because I know we've had lots of conversations about imposter syndrome and the teacher uses that, use that language. Mm. Um, I just started watching um, Schitt's Creek. And so like she made a reference to an episode from there. What's that? David. No, David. Ew. Um, (laughs) So it was just really like, I don't know. It just brought together a lot of the things that I think so many teachers are feeling. So when Danny said, you know, I, I want to meet the teacher who feels like she's doing this well. I really don't believe that you can find anyone who's like, I've got this on lock and I'm going to write the book on how to teach during COVID. Like, I think we're all just kind of building, I hate the expression, but building the plane as we go or, you know, collecting the bricks and building our houses. But I think our, I think the foundation for good teaching is just good teaching, right? Knowing that you know what good teaching is and being able to pivot and, do what's right for kids but the episode was great so it's odessa part one um and then you can follow up with odessa part two and it's from the new york times the daily which as you can guess comes out every day except for saturday for some reason then you could devote that saturday time to the crossword puzzle (laughs) yes which is the harder of the two right everyone thinks that the sunday one is harder but the saturday one is the hardest of the week very cool Uh, that will of course be in the show notes i will check out Odessa parts one and two. Um, thank you for sharing that, Stacey. Yeah. I almost want to have the teacher on that was interviewed and talk to her and see, you know, what life is like now for her. Well, if anybody could do that, it's the three of us, probably you. Just just reach out. Reach out, right? <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> just give it a try. That's right. All right. So before we wrap up, this episode and this has been a fantastic 96th episode the march to 100 continues we will be back live on april 11th because as we're doing this right now uh the next time we would record would be easter sunday and uh we're not going to be doing a live show on easter sunday i'll be eating chocolate we'll be back (laughs) lots of chocolate and peanut butter and mixing the two together that's yeah real quick aj what's your favorite easter candy um I, I don't know. That's a tough one because, like, candy is candy. I feel no, like you eat the same thing. You, you can eat candy all year long. Like, is there a difference? 
Sure, there is. Sure, Reese's Watch. peanut butter cups that are egg shaped instead of uh, circles. Like, there's more peanut butter in the other. I was gonna say the ratio is off. Yep, ratio it's different. Yeah, stay. All right, fine. AJ, you're not playing. Stacy, what's your favorite Easter candy? <laughs> I don't really I don't, like candy. I don't eat Easter candy. If I'm being honest with you, I also don't eat Halloween candy. Oh my goodness. Anyway, so oh my goodness. hey everybody. My favorite Easter candy is the Cadbury <laughs> egg. I love Cadbury. I don't even like those. Who likes those? I, I the only thing I like about that is the commercials. <laughs> Ew, Chris. <laughs> anyway, I love Cadbury eggs, except I saw this funny TikTok, which, surprise, I saw something funny on TikTok, which was, you know, hey, let's invent the most awesome Easter candy ever, which I think it is. But let's also wrap it in glue and tinfoil and make it really difficult to get to. So... And only the nobody original. should be eating that. But Stephanie like is, is digging your mini. She said Cadbury mini eggs. No, no, no. Full size. If they made them bigger, I'd be happier. Anyway. Oh, my God. No. See, then again, the ratio is just no. All that cream filling. I'm going to. Mm. No. Mm-mm. I love the cream <laughs> filling. It's delicious. Oh, no. Anyway, so we'll be back on April 11th. And uh, then we'll be back again two weeks after that. But. We hope everybody has a wonderful Easter time. If uh, Jesus if you celebrate. is your thing, <laughs> Passover, Passover also coming. Uh, spring is in the air. Spring uh, is AJ here. I, spring is here. Spring has sprung. Baseball is starting. AJ, we're getting excited. Uh, it, yeah, okay. Uh, maybe maybe on April 11th we'll also give our review and thoughts on the Snyder Cut of Justice League. <laughs> I'd Real have quick, to vote up or four hours. Down. I haven't watched. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it was amazing. I'm not going to lie. Four hours of amazing. But anyway, we digress. Stacy, take us home. All right. It is time to say goodbye. Oh, I got like the Mickey Mouse Club song in my head. All right. Say goodbye, Christopher. Goodbye, Christopher. Say goodbye, Andrew Johnson. <laughs> goodbye, AJ. <laughs> goodbye, Podcast PD. Thank you for checking out this episode of Podcast PD. For links to everything that we discussed in this episode, you can visit the show notes at our website, podcastpd.com. To connect with the show on social media, we are at Podcast PD on Instagram and Twitter, and we share using the hashtag Podcast PD. To connect with Stacy, AJ, and myself, we are on Twitter at Mr. Nessie, at Stacy Lindis, and at AJ Bianco. We would love to hear from you, so please go to podcastpd.com slash feedback and send us an email, send us a voice message, whatever you need to do. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you share it with somebody that you think would get value from it. Word of mouth is the best way to share a podcast you enjoy, and we hope you enjoyed Podcast PD. We appreciate you listening, we appreciate your sharing, and we love creating this podcast for you. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.